One of the things that stops small business owners from creating marketing content consistently is this feeling of being uninspired, of having no idea what to say in the first place. If you can relate to this, you are in good company. So many of us struggle with knowing what our marketing content should actually be about. But I am here to help. I have come up with 100 prompts that you can use to guide your marketing from your social media posts to your emails to your longer form content. I guarantee that these prompts will get you inspired and that you'll have more ideas than you even know what to do with. You can download this list of 100 marketing prompts for free at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 100 prompts. That's makinggoodpodcast.com slash 100-P-R-O-M-P-T-S. Welcome back to Making Good, the podcast for small businesses who want to make a big impact. I'm your host, Lauren Tilton, and this is episode 201. I'm so excited to be back with this month's edition of Making Good Book Club. This time we're talking about stories that stick by Kendra Hall. Quickly, more about book club. So once a month, my amazing book club co-host, Sherelle Griffith, and I discuss a book we think can help move the needle in your small business. And we'll share our takeaways specifically for small businesses. As I mentioned, this month, we're talking about stories that stick, how storytelling can captivate customers, influence audiences, and transform your business by Kendra Hall. I've got to say, Sherelle and I really enjoyed chatting about this one. As a book about storytelling, it should come as no surprise that in addition to laying out some really helpful ideas and frameworks, stories that stick was super well-written and fun to read. This book is chock full of examples, questions, and prompts to get your wheels spinning. If you are someone who feels like you don't have anything to say or that your stories aren't worth telling, by the time you finish Stories That Stick, you will have stories in spades. Even though I'm someone who has always been interested in narrative and has found a lot of success in sharing stories with my audience, reading these prompts sent little sparks of inspiration shooting through my mind. Luckily, author Kendra Hall walks you through exactly how to sift through your newfound pile of stories and choose which to tell and how. Stories That Stick was such a joy to read and talk through with Sherelle, and I hope you'd enjoy our conversation as much as I did. In this book club episode, we talk about why storytelling is important, how storytelling is the bridge between you and your customer, four ingredients that make a great story, the storytelling framework, prompts for laying out your story, how to tell an effective founder story, and more. Stay tuned through the end of the episode for our announcements on our pick for next month's Making Good Book Club episode. Just a quick reminder that if you want updates on book club, you can sign up to get notified at makinggoodpodcast.com slash book club. Okay, let's dive into this month's book club episode about stories that stick. Sherelle, welcome back to Making Good Book Club. Thank you so much for having me back. And it's lovely to talk to you again. Yay! I know. (laughs) So listeners won't have noticed a break in our schedule because we prepared in advance, Uh but... I have a new baby. So I took a bunch of time off this summer. So Sherelle and I had recorded like a, we recorded more in advance than normal. And then we took time off and this is our first episode back. So super fun to get back in the swing of things again. We today are talking about stories that stick. And this is a book, as you can probably tell about storytelling. The subtitle is how storytelling can captivate customers, influence audiences and transform your business. And I'm a huge fan of this book. I, that's why I kind of brought it to the table and said, Sherelle, should we read this? Will you read this? I loved it. And she agreed. So this 
is my first opportunity to hear what Sherelle thought. And then we'll talk about the book with you all and kind of go through some of the key takeaways. But yeah, I just want to give you the floor. What did you think? Was it worth the read? Was <laughs> anything you want to say right off the bat? It was definitely worth the read. Um, obviously, I trust your choices and the whole anyway. But, you know, I think we're talking a lot about what's it facts tell, stories sell. But then not that many people mm. actually tell you about how to share stories. And I think like given mm-hmm. the increasing amount of like volume of content that's going out in the world. And actually I've been thinking about storytelling more recently, especially because I'm like, if AI content's just going to like pump out yes. generic, how are we going to like differentiate ourselves? We need to own our stories. We need to do all that type of stuff. So actually I really thought it was perfect timing for me, but actually I think it's also as someone who you'd expect that writes about storytelling, a well-written book that I thoroughly enjoy reading. Yay. Okay. <laughs> what a review. I love that. And totally agree on the AI front. Like I am using AI a little bit, like I am playing around with it. I am excited about the possibilities, but I do think in terms of like really compelling content, you can't compete with like a story told by a person. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I think everyone can learn something from this book. And just my overall take on this book is it's not the only storytelling book I've read. It's not the only storytelling for business book I've read. But for me, it's by far the most practical, like gives you something to start running with. Yeah. And that's why I really wanted to talk about it. We talked about Story Brand by Mm -hmm. Donald Miller, which is useful and like interesting. But for me, this book is even more... Like, I felt like I could leave this book and immediately go get to work and like kind of know where to start in a really practical way. And that's why I really want to talk about it with you. Yeah, this to me is so different to StoryBrand. Like, I actually don't Mm -hmm. jive well with StoryBrand, even though I know like it's worked for clients, it's worked for like business besties I have. Like, I know it's a great book and I know the framework works, but it's never like inspired me to get going, whereas this actually did inspire me. So great. I think I felt the same and I can't imagine anyone reading this and not feeling that way, actually. So upfront, I'll say we're going to share as much as we can about our key takeaways. And like, I think that we'll be able to share some things that even if you don't read the book, you can walk away from this conversation and kind of go put into practice. But I think it's worth a read, Mm -hmm. like even beyond this conversation. (laughs) So we'll just say that up front. So the book is divided into three parts. The first is about storytelling in general, why it's important, why it's useful, why it can help us in our businesses. The second part is about her, what she classifies as the four essential stories that businesses can tell. And then the third part is about finding, crafting, and telling your story, like more about the craft of it. So we're, I think, going to go through bit by bit. But as like a lead in there's one story that she kind of kicks the book off with and it's a it's called Slovenia JFK and the story that kidnapped my husband and this is kind of like her way of showing the power of storytelling for brands basically do you want to like just give a quick summary of that story as far as you can remember it you've read it more recently <laughs> than I have so I don't trust myself Robin's really putting me on the spot here So um, Uh the story is, so they're in Slovenia and they are in a cologne shop. Is that even the right word? I was like, it's cologne the right word? Yeah. Uh And they like just looking and clearly um, Kendra is more into shopping than her partner, Michael. And so he's not really like that interest or whatever, but she's a bit of a shopper, like fan. And then a um, 
clerk there starts to tell them about a specific clone that was like behind the counter. But rather than someone who usually just like pulls it down, they, he basically goes straight into the story and t- talks about how there was a man that had come over from America and when he was around people in France and was talking about like how great they all smelled. And so then actually he ended up taking this cologne back to the USA and then then he decided once he was over there, like he wanted to import it. And then he just like drops in the end of all of that, that this person is called FK. And then people are like, oh, FK, like who's that? And then the husband's like, JFK. And he's like, yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. And the sample was for his brother, Robert. Yes. But this idea then obviously that makes it so much more exciting. And so then the husband literally wanted it like instantly. And they said they didn't have any more bottles. Like literally that was just like the only one that was on show. So then they came back 24 hours, not even 24 hours later, just overnight. And they was a different clerk behind the counter. And they were asking to see if they could get, um, they wanted to obviously get a bottle. And they asked like, oh, you know, like we want to know more about it. And the person just gave them basically like two sort of facts and wasn't really like, bothered, wasn't interested. Probably what most of us would expect if you like, are in a shop that's got lots of perfume and or lots mm-hmm. of cologne. And it just really shows the difference between how powerful a story, like, you know, she's very honest. Kendra was very honest, like Michael's not normally someone's interested. And that story had him hooked. Like even when he returned back to America, he was still thinking about that cologne and how much he wanted to have some. Because obviously there was that connection and there was like that fantasy about, oh, I can wear the same cologne as JFK. And mm-hmm. that created this whole experience but then you see when you have a clerk that just like tells you some facts, it like it doesn't. And so she really used it as an example to be like, this is the power of story, but also how story isn't just, you know, like me and Lauren would say, like there's loads of stuff to say from a marketing perspective, but it's like, actually this impacts every single part of a business. Like actually, obviously that's like mm-hmm. more of a sales role, but actually as you see through then the rest of the book, there's like people that use stories for internal to like build team morale. There's people that do use story like on stage, there's stories that you do use in your marketing, but like it can be used in so many ways. But the fact is the way that a story can stop time and like make people give you that attention is just a power that doesn't exist in any other way. Thank you for telling the story. I tried. You remembered it very well. Very impressed. Um, I was kind of going back on my Kindle to like refresh and you, you got it just right. And I think like one thing I'll just say, like owning a retail store, I sell products from other small businesses Mm. And it is so much easier for us to sell the products where like, we know the story, like there's something we can tell about it. Like there's a business called Trove. She's actually a member of my membership program and we sell her products at my store and she makes jewelry from like upcycled marine debris that she finds Mm. on beaches, like plastics. She'll make them into like necklaces and earrings and stuff. And being able to tell the story of like how she does that and how she started her business it makes it so much easier for us to sell her products. And there's there's some other businesses like that where there's just a story. It's not just like a pair of earrings. It's like, we, you know, here's the story behind how that person started their business or how they make their thing. And it just, it's like a tool for us that makes it so much more effective in our ability to sell. So anecdotally, I can just say like, it's, I, you, we can see that mm-hmm. so clearly in our, in our store. So yeah, super powerful. 
So yeah, again, this first part of the book is all about basically the power of story. Mm -hmm. There's a quote that she kicks it off with that says, the shortest distance between a human being and the truth is a story. Mm -hmm. That's by Anthony DeMello, which I thought was really great. And I would say that my big takeaway that I would want to share from this first part is about the concept of a gap and how a gap is... There are gaps everywhere, but in the context of business, the big gap that we talk about is like the gap from the product or service is with us to the product or service is with a customer. And like the space between those two situations is the gap. And the way that we bridge gaps is a bridge (laughs) and a bridge has to capture attention, captivate the audience, influence and transform. And Generally, we're just bad at building bridges because we talk at people, we throw a bunch of data at them and information, and we try all these tactics that like logically, rationally seem like they should overcome any objections and like really convince people. But the premise of the book, and I think one that she supports really well, is that the easiest, most effective way to build bridges that capture attention, influence behavior, and transform those who cross them is with storytelling. Stories are what stick, which is where we get the title, obviously. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's some science in this part, too. I don't like <laughs> that doesn't really speak to me, but there's some science about why storytelling works. But yeah, to me, the, this concept of the gap and how we can think of our job as to bridge a gap from where we are now and where we want to be. Mm. And I think where she talks about attention, influence and transformation, I think all of us know, like we've heard it a thousand times, like everyone's attention is getting smaller, but then we all see how many hours people could spend on Netflix. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so actually, I think the stuff that she wrote really spoke to me was this idea that how stories can make people stay with you for a longer period of time and because naturally we're just used to listen to stories and we can get engrossed and it can take us to another world and that's like the transformation part of it and so I really thought that was an interesting thing when we think now of we always feel like we're fighting for attention and we don't have a lot of time and it's like actually this stories is a very like natural way. Like we are as humans, I'd like programmed to listen to stories and we remember stories as well. Like actually, I think some of that science as well was around like how like, cause that's how we told things to remember them, to retain them, to tell them onto the like the next people. And so actually I think that is what's really powerful for businesses. If you're like really struggling thinking like, I'm always trying to get my message across in like 10 seconds and two words. Actually, mm-hmm. when you use a story well, you can have people's attention for a longer time. So it actually just give you that bit of breath um, that you might be really wanting right now. I think the interesting thing too, though, is when we think about marketing and we know there's so much noise, we know that we have the sense that we don't have very much time to capture people's attention or to really get to the point. It can feel almost... I don't know, counterintuitive to spend the time to tell a story when we also have, when we feel like we also have to convey all the information and like, why not just get straight to the point? But yeah, I think she makes a really good case for like, you might have a little more leeway to go longer, to like do longer videos, to write a longer email or whatever it is. Like if you write a story, you're capturing their attention in a way that like you don't have to do it in as short of a format. And like just a small example, my best performing Instagram reel that I've ever done is like a 90 second story. Like it's just me telling with like audio 
this moment, like not a big story not climbing Mount Everest, like just this <laughs> moment from my business where I like saw a typo in a postcard and decided to send it anyway. And it's about perfectionism. And that's like by far my best performing thing. And I've done tons of trending audio, tons of like three second, you know, the things that are supposed to work, but yeah, the stories are the ones that for me tend to like actually perform. So I've seen that to be true for sure. Yeah, I'm so glad that it works for you. But if you're someone that's more like me, knowing that you should use stories and being able to use stories are two very different things. And so like, actually, what's good about this book is it breaks down like four very clear different types of stories you can create for your business. I think one more thing I would just want to say before we get to those four essential stories that for me were pretty big takeaways Two things. One, she gives four ingredients that make a great story. And I think it's worth talking about those a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. Identifiable characters, authentic emotion, a significant moment and specific details. So when you're thinking about like telling a story, you have this general idea of something you want to tell. To me, it's a really useful, like almost checklist you can go through. Like, are there identifiable characters here? characters you can identify with is there some kind of emotion involved is there a moment and then are you including specific details like not speaking in generalities Mm -hmm. so that's really interesting and useful to me is like that four bullet point checklist basically then the other thing which like possibly is the thing that i remember most from this book altogether is this very simple way of breaking down how to tell a story which is that you have the normal you have the explosion and then you have the new normal. And the normal is how things are now. The explosion is something happens and the new normal is now things are different. Mm-hmm. And so when you're telling a story, you want to make sure to go through all of three of these stages. And the explosion, again, does not have to be something like life-changing. It can be a very small moment in your everyday. But just the idea that like there's a current state then something happens and then things are somehow different, even in the smallest way. And so for me, that framework of just like normal explosion, new normal is like that has totally stuck with me and helped me think about things in a new way. Mm, that's good to hear because, you know, I think that obviously I've only just read the book, so I haven't had time to like really think about how to apply it. But I, can, mm-hmm. I think like that thing about explosion, like you said, it's easy to think that's got to be something really dramatic. Um, yeah. But the fact that you're saying actually doesn't, um, I imagine like the more you use a framework, the more you can just realize, oh, what are those moments? And then you mm-hmm. start to build more and more stories around it. Yeah, there's a prompt that I heard someone, I think it was actually Robin Kennedy from Email Marketing Heroes. Mm -hmm. And they, I think it was on a podcast, they have this prompt for like how to tell a story in an email. And the prompt is, what's the least boring thing that happened in the last 24 hours? (laughs) And I love that because it's like just full permission to let a story be like the smallest, most seemingly insignificant thing. Like just about anything can be a story. And actually, if we have time, like I have a little story about making roasted chickpeas that I'm going to create some content about (laughs) at some point. It happened like in the last 48 hours. Um, So if we have time, we can get to my chickpea story. But like, this is so easy. I love it because this is literally my worst nightmare. And I love how much you like embrace it so much. (laughs) Yeah. Well, to me, it's like... I've always loved this idea of storytelling, but it's hard to give yourself permission to make something, I don't know, to like call it a story if it's just something boring. But actually like, you know, that stuff does connect with people. And like 
we can have big takeaways from like the most mundane normal of like situations. So Absolutely. anyway, I'll tell my chickpea story later if we have time, <laughs> but let's talk about the four essential stories. So we've got the value story, the founder story, the purpose story, and the customer story. Mm-hmm. So the value story is created in order to address the value gap. And so the gap is between the problem and the, the gap is between the problem and the value of the solution, or the gap can be between the product and the value to the customer. And so really trying to be like what this is one of, to me is I think the most like basic business one in terms of being like, what problem is what you're selling solving? How is it changing the life of the actual customer or the buyer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is probably like the most important one that everyone needs to kind of nail. And she gives some different examples in the book of different brands who have like struggled with this and, you know, come out the other side in some way. Like they were telling this story one way or not telling a story at all. And then they kind of shifted things. I, I'm going to be honest and say, it's been a bit since I read this book, so I don't That's fine. remember any specifics. Do you have any that stood out Before to you? Before we go into a specific story, I think actually one thing I wanted to mention was the thing she said about the yeah. brains, because she talked about how like there's two ways. And I think this is a bit that connects to the whole facts tell sort of story sell and being like system mm-hmm. one is like how we will be around like people processing and it's cognitive ease, whereas system two will involve cognitive strains. And so she talks about how there is a, a gelato shop and for like the, she'd been there before and it was like absolutely fine. But one day when they go back to it, there's like a queue. They can see like all these children are just like getting really frustrated. All the parents are getting frustrated. And then as she gets to the front, she realizes exactly what's happened. And so whereas before they used to have all the tubs, all at the front, you could see all the colours and there was like a little picture next to it, which anyone could understand. Like we know what an orange looks like or a piece of chocolate. What, do you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. you can see it. They then changed it. And so now there was just like a list. And so parents were just having to say like, do you want chocolate or strawberry or this? And like was having to like run down a list. And so that made everything so much harder for everyone. And it's clearly like someone in a head office that just thought this is going to be loads more efficient or like, for hygiene mm-hmm. reasons, not have all the ice cream out really visible. Do you get what I mean? But actually what yeah. it made was everything so much harder for the people having to do the work. And so that's where she talks about how you can be doing it in what feels like a logical way. So you can be doing it in this factual telling way, but actually like the visually was the, like it's much easier for people to understand. And that's the same like with stories. That's going to take the cognitive ease route rather than the cognitive strain route. Um, so I think that's like a really mm-hmm. just a, a good thing to keep in like mind when you're thinking about it's like like I've heard this theory before like if you make people think too much basically they're not going to buy from you mm-hmm. <laughs> like make it as totally. easy as possible oh and then a story well are we allowed to steal an apple story or are we against it because we're a small business podcast <laughs> no okay. no we can tell an apple story I think we can learn from I mean I'll, I have I have an apple phone sitting next to me I'm not going to hate on apple no, no no that's fine but I just know some people are like and she actually admits like she purposely was like, oh, I don't know if I should use it. But anyway, she tells the story of like a Christmas ad and, you know, it's easy for Apple to just come out and just been like, there's a new phone and this is all the pictures it takes and, you know, this is the spec of it and all that type of stuff. But actually in this advert, you basically see like a teenager, 
it's like Christmas and it seems like all the time basically he's just like on his phone whatever the family seems to be doing he's just like on his phone on his phone on his phone and this is like the lead up to Christmas and then on Christmas day he actually like sits on the sofa in front of the TV and then he like does a slideshow of all the photos he's actually been taking over like the last few days with his family and it actually becomes like this real like I suppose moment of like nostalgia and being like I've created something that we can all watch together right now but also this is something we can look back on for years to come and so she's getting she's showing like actually this is showing like the value to the customers like I'm not giving you like just a piece of technology that's got all these things it can do it's like I'm actually giving you something that can bring the family together and can create moments for a lifetime and so this was like one of her stories of like how you can use storytelling in a natural advert and I think there's plenty of, mm-hmm. it's really obvious with tech when companies are telling rather than selling, if that makes sense. So they're doing all the facts rather than the stories. And obviously Apple is a very, like, there's a thousand examples of how Apple over the years has used story because they really understand the power of story. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a great commercial. We'll link to it in the show notes. I don't know if you went and watched it. No, but- I never watched it. <laughs> Oh, it's really good. Yeah. It's like, it makes you think that this kid is just like detached and like, I don't know, like he's like, doesn't want to hang out with his family because he's just literally staring at his phone the whole time. Mm. And then at the end, he like puts together this amazing thing. So I think like, of course, for me, I love a good, not formula, but like, I love a good, let's make it super easy. (laughs) So I'll just share like some prompts to get you thinking of like how this, how this might be laid out for you. Mm-hmm. So she uses, again, the, the framework of normal, explosion, new normal. And here are the questions that she's posing. So when you're thinking about your value story, some things to think about when you're sort of setting up the normal in, in telling the story would be, what is your customer's problem? What pain are they experiencing? How do they feel? How is it impacting their life or their, or their business? And what's keeping them up at night? That's how you kind of lay out the normal. Then you have to tell the explosion. And in in the case of a value story, that's how does your product or service solve that pain or problem? How does your product or service make their life easier? What does the experience of using your product or service feel like for customers? And how is your product or service different? That's the explosion. And then the new normal is like the after. And in the value story, that's how is life different after... What is enhanced or improved? How do customers feel? What pain points have vanished? So hopefully that got some wheels turning for you. And just to point out, like when we talked about the four elements or the four ingredients of a story in the value story, the the identifiable character is your customer. I think that's a really important thing to say. (laughs) So when we're telling our value story, we're not the main character. The business isn't the main character. The customer is the main character. Yeah. And the the identical character always has to be a character as well. Like she says that like sometimes businesses really try and like like personify the product or whatever. No, it's a person. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Cool. Then we've got the founder story, which I think of all the stories is one that probably made me roll my eyes because I just think of like the dramatic riches to rags founder stories. (laughs) But luckily we are taught a different way of how to do our founder story. Mm-hmm. And so actually she tells the story of how Airbnb got created, which I had no idea about. I clearly like... Yeah, me neither. Yeah. So it's a very interesting story about how some guys were living in San Francisco and they were very poor. 
and there was a conference that was coming and there basically was like no rooms, all the hotels were sold out. And so they like, as a joke was like, do you think if we like put some mattress, air, air mattresses, like I feel like not even in a room, like, like probably in their living room because they like was in a small place. Do you think we could sell them and people would stay and people did. And then they had a great time. And that was how the idea for Airbnb was born. And actually they had quite a, like their startup journey isn't easy. They definitely did like a lot of pitching and they talked about how, when they actually told their story of how it formed, this actually like changed an investor's mind from someone who like they had spoken to before that was not interested in any way, shape or form. But when they added in their founder story, it actually, because partly it showed like their tenacity and their drive made that um, investor think, you know what, I'm going to like go for it. And so I think obviously the founder story is one that if you are going for investment. I think people think about it a lot more, but also like, I know like, you know, we go on podcasts a lot and it's like, how many times do people ask you like, what's your story? Like it's something that mm-hmm. you, we get asked a lot. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And I think uh, a lot of listeners are product-based businesses. So you can probably all product-based businesses. Most of you will be able to relate to that moment of being at a craft show or something. And, you know, you're standing at your table and someone comes over and kind of gives you that invitation to say like, you know, where, what is this? Like, (laughs) what's the story? And having like a really, I don't know, there's so many ways to answer that question. If you haven't really thought through like some key points that you want to make. And so being able to tell the story is a big opportunity to get someone you know, invested in, in your business and your products. So but for in-person stuff in particular, I think the founder story is really important in this section. Um, they gave some places to look for your founder story. So I'm just going to share some prompts here. One is to go way back. Mm-hmm. So it's like to think through your history and like, is there some thread line that connects everything? Another tip would be to remember the, the, there has to be a better way moment. So a lot of us started our business because like something wasn't working or like we had kind of a low moment that we had to overcome. So remembering that moment might be a good element for your founder story. Look for the blood, sweat and tears. So like, how have you, you know, worked hard to get where you are? Um, and then they also share some founder story pitfalls. Yeah. So making number one, making it really confusing. Number two, not telling it because you're tired of telling it. I think that's <laughs> great. And like just uh, overall PSA to anyone about content of any kind, like you should feel like you're repeating yourself. That's how we like get our message across and become remembered and known for things. Another pitfall would be thinking you can't tell the founder story if you're not the founder. So for those of us who have teams mm-hmm. or like support people of any kind, like making sure that they're on board with the story too, and that they can tell that story. Okay. Pitfall number four, letting the reluctant founder shut down the founder story. <laughs> so this is more of like, there's a marketing team who like wants to tell the story and the founder's like, no, this is boring. So I think it's a little bit less relevant, but I thought those were good prompts to kind of get your wheels turning of like what your founder story might be. Yeah. Okay. The third story type is the purpose story. Uh And she talks about how great leaders use story to align and inspire. And for me, the purpose story can be used like it's two things. If you've got a team, 
I think is super important. So that like everyone is like driven by the purpose and they understand why the company's been formed and what it's there for. But also we now live in a world where people are more and more interested in understanding the purpose behind businesses. Like, you know, people do, I think particularly people that are consciously buying from small businesses, they want to actually understand like why you're doing what you're doing. They want to be buying from people that like have values that align and stuff. And so your purpose story can be a really great way of showcasing that. Mm -hmm. I think it's good for teams. And I think also like if you're business is really aligned with some kind of like mission mm-hmm. or I don't know, like sustainability element or some kind of like movement almost that you're trying to be part of. Or if you're like a not-for-profit, like I think those, the purpose story is really like the why, like, why are we doing this? And I think it's useful for all of us, but like particularly in like the really movement or mission aligned types of businesses, which I know a lot of folks listening like would identify that way. And we want to look at, I suppose there's, they do give like a couple of ways you could be lining it. So you talked about how you can have alignment around like a goal or initiative. You could have alignment around a sensitive subject or an alignment around what you're really about. And so that can help you to understand, like when people are trying to work out how they create their purpose stories, like actually what is it going to be what has it got to prove? Like, what's it got to show? What's it got to align? So making sure that the story actually supports that as well, because that's one of the biggest things she actually iterates multiple times through the book. It's like stories can be good, but that doesn't mean they're right. And so I think particularly mm-hmm. with the purpose story, it's like you have to actually develop the right story <laughs> um, so mm-hmm. that it gets the results you really desire. And so, she, yeah. so she says like, what do I want my audience to think, feel, know, or do as a result of hearing that story? And that's like a really good question for you just to be able to ask yourself, like, actually, what am I trying to get out of the end? And then is this story going to help that to happen? The fourth essential story is the customer story. And I love this. This is all about what she <laughs> says, switching storytellers. So basically you know, having our customers, our happy customers telling the story instead of us. And she gives some specific... I mean, first of all, she kind of makes the case for why customers telling their story and their experience is so powerful. Mm. I think, you know, this is the concept of social proof. And probably most listeners are kind of on board with this. But it's just the concept of like when someone who doesn't work for a company tells you about their experience with it and how it's been helpful to them or like why they love it when they share their experience versus like hearing it from the company themselves. Like there's so much more credibility when someone who's just like a person who you can relate to in that way, when they say things because you just trust it more. And so finding ways to gather and share customer stories is a super powerful thing we can do in our marketing. And she gives some suggestions for like, how do you get the customer story? Rule one is you have to ask for it. So like, I love that she starts there, like not just hoping that people will send in their stories, actually actively like creating a system around getting them. So that could be like, if you're a service provider, having some sort of process for asking for reviews or testimonials about working with you. Um, for products, it's like, a re- you know, asking for reviews to go up on the website. So 
consciously asking for the story is like the, probably the most important thing to do. Rule number two is to ask specifically. So this is all about like kind of prompting them Mm. in certain ways to tell the story, like not just saying like, it was great. Tell your story, (laughs) but you know, like giving them certain prompts, like how did you feel before? How did you feel after? Like what was, what made you decide to buy it? Like giving certain prompts that will help them tell the story in a more useful way. Yeah. And I think that prompt section is really important because I have like seen, you know, through myself and other business owners, like it's, you know, people are quite willing nowadays to give their feedback, but there's a big difference between getting a piece of feedback and actually getting a story you can use. So I think I definitely would say like, if you're someone that probably has got feedback in the past and you don't feel like actually it's been useful for you to be able to use as much as you'd like definitely like checking out that chapter and going into it a bit deeper to really start to know like you have to ask she talks about you have to ask the right questions to get the right answers Mm -hmm. I think it's helpful to go through the components breakdown for this one so again the components breakdown she does this for each of the value stories we're not gonna like read the book word for word so check out the book if you're interested but for the customer story you know going through the identifiable characters obviously in this case it's the customer they are the character but thinking about the authentic emotions she points out that in a customer story Oftentimes the emotion is joy or relief that they felt after finding you. I think that's a really just an interesting thing to point out, like looking for those moments and those comments about joy and relief from our customers. The moment, again, asking those specific prompts, you can ask your your customers questions like, where were you the first time you tried our product? Or do you remember where you were the first time you heard about our service? These are moment driven. And then again, specific details like anything that paints a picture, anything that like gives you a visual, those are the kinds of details that really stand out and stick stick with people. Okay. Anything else on the four stories? I think that's enough. <laughs> oh, well, I suppose the point is you don't have to make all of them straight away. Like that is the four options. Like, and stories should all fit into one of those four stories. But you will build those up over time. So I think don't panic if you're like, oh, I don't know what my, I can't work out what my purpose story will be right now. It definitely isn't a like all or nothing situation. You can start and build. Yeah. Okay. So the part three is create your story. And this is about finding, crafting and telling your story. And I just want to set this up with a quote from the book where she says, the single biggest barrier to not telling your story isn't procrastination or being afraid of sharing or stage fright. It's assuming that you don't have a story in the first place. So I, I submit this question to everyone or this, this quote to anyone who thinks that they don't have a story to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, she also includes a quote from Isaac Dinesen to be a person is to have a story to tell. Yeah. So you have a story. And I think that's very really important. Like I definitely like say, I've definitely said many times, I'm not a storyteller. I don't even have anything to say. So I can see how people can fall into that trap. But we have got some very clear ideas to help us with finding stories. And she puts it down into two phases. So we've got story collection and then story choosing. And so to start collecting stories, I really like this idea which talks about concentrate where was it something like concentrate on the nouns so the nouns in Mm -hmm. our lives are the people the places the things the events in our life and actually she gives you some things to try out so like making a list of like all the people you've been to all the places you know all the things and then as you start to do that 
automatically you're going to probably end up thinking of like stories to start going through and then I think actually Mm -hmm. even more questions (laughs) to help you uh, go like there's literally a page of like 15 (laughs) I'd say that is so there is more than enough things to get everyone starting to think of possible stories so if you are someone that's like don't have one Trust me, by the time you get through this section of the book, you will have some. Yeah. She says, like, think about firsts. So like when you first met your partner or you first tried a product or you first tried this art that now is your business. Also making a list of customer objections and questions. Oftentimes those will prompt a story in you. And then, yes, a huge list of options. I'll just just share like one that I thought was really good. When have you made a customer cry for good reasons or bad reasons? What's the hardest thing you've ever done in your business? There's a, there's a lot of good questions here that like, even for me, just reading through them, like I just felt little sparks of stories. It's just I feel like you mind. don't need any more sparks of stories. <laughs> I feel like you yeah. Lauren's got so many, they're everywhere. <laughs> yeah. But just because you've got lots of stories, you now have to move on to a story yeah. choosing. What a segue. <laughs> Good sometimes. So yeah, you have all these stories, but as we said earlier, you have to choose the right story. Even if it's a good story, it doesn't mean it's the right. And so actually the choosing part is a very important thing. And so the two questions that she says to think about is always, who are you telling this story to and what do you want them to think, feel, know, or do? And so it's very similar to that question I quoted earlier. But I suppose because that's the point. That's what we always need to think about. Like, who is our audience? Who is going to be listening to us? Who is going to be watching, reading, whatever that we're creating when we're telling the story? Think about that. And that's going to help you to be selecting the right stories. Mm-hmm. And she does give a little cheat seat where she talks about how to like choosing a value story if you want more efficient sales and marketing. Choose a founder story if you want to increase confidence and differentiate. Choose a purpose story if you want to align, engage your team. Choose a customer story if you want to if you want better sales, marketing, and credibility. So even if you're a little bit stuck, you can use that cheat sheet as a starting point. Yeah, there's another quote I want to share from this section, which is Any moment that makes you wonder could be a story or one that brings a smile to your face or one that makes you slightly angry or one that you watch unfold with heightened curiosity. So just food for thought. Okay. So we've talked about finding stories. Hopefully through this chapter, you've come up with a lot of different ideas and then you've narrowed it down a little bit to some, some front runners to start with. Now we talk about crafting your story. And so we go back to that framework that Lauren talked about earlier about this idea of the normal explosion, new normal. But after you, uh, her advice when we're crafting it is actually to start in the middle because the reality is that normal is because it's so normal. It's to us, it's just like our mundane normal life. Whereas the explosion is normally mm-hmm. the moment we remember. So she's like, okay, if you start with that, because that's also probably the moment that you wrote down, that's your middle. And then you can go backwards. That's when then you can go back and craft your beginning. And then after that, you can do the new normal. And I thought that was quite interesting because, again, like it's easy to think we need to write a story. And if you remember it from a child, you think beginning, middle, end. And you're like, okay, I got to sit down and you've got to write a beginning, you've got to write a middle and end. But actually even just that flipping around and being like, no, start with the middle because that's the bit you remember. And that's the bit that's going to be stand out. 
and then go back into the beginning. I think that would be actually quite a good technique when trying to write some stories. Yeah. And I think it's a good technique for like helping yourself put together the story in your brain and like get your ideas out, but also telling stories like not thinking of it as when we tell a story, we have to do like beginning, middle, end chronologically, but actually, like you said, like starting in the explosion, that's the moment where things are interesting. That's what it's going to actually catch people's attention instead of like having your first paragraph be, you know, before, you know, just the boring before is like not that interesting. So really, I think this is a really practical, interesting tip to when you're telling stories, find a way to start at the explosion then back up and give the context and talk about the before and after. Well, it sounds like you're trying to make people do hooks there, Lauren. <laughs> hooks. Yeah, I, I'm, I don't like the term hooks because I did a podcast episode in my private podcast called Customers Are Not Fish. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's about like all this language that we use as marketers that's just like really like objectifying and like a yeah. literally... I don't know, manipulative way, like hooking people or I don't know, whatever. I digress. But yes, the concept of a hook is like catching people's attention. And I think that's what is done when you start with the explosion instead of starting with like the before or the the normal. Anything else in the crafting your story? I think suppose a bit of a warning about cutting the small stuff. And this goes back to in the, you know, in the four steps, you'll talk about details, but she just says it's very easy, especially when we are trying to shorten our story to like, feel like we get rid of all the small bits, all the mundane bits, all the little details, but actually that's what makes it often the more real. That's what makes it feel like someone's telling that story not someone has just made that story up and so I think that's just something she's there was, a, there was a thing about actually if you feel like you've got to the point where the story has like lost everything she says check the cutting floors like have you cut out something have you gone too far in a while she's trying to strip mm-hmm. it down I thought that's quite a good point because I can see how especially when it's your story it's really easy just to be like, oh, that's not important. That's not important. And then you've just left, like, you've lost all the soul of the story, basically. Yeah. Especially when it's about detail. Like, one point that I really like when she talks about the four ingredients of a story, one of them is specific details. Yeah. So, like, really painting the picture visually with the details that, I don't know, that stand out in people's head that really you can imagine. Mm-hmm. That stuff is easy to cut because it doesn't seem like it's critical to conveying you know the before the explosion and the after but it is what like you say gives stories soul a lot of the time and then the last part here is about telling your story she talks about like presentations and when you need to make a case for something but like to me in the context of like this podcast and the work that I think both of us do Sherelle like we are marketers and there's really not a marketing format in my mind that a story isn't a good fit for. We could think a customer story is probably the best fit for your sales page or um, your product pages, depending on the context of what we're, what we're, what we're talking about, like the specific story you tell will differ. But I think any marketing that you're doing, like stories will only help you anytime you want to like persuade and connect with people stories are going to be a great tool for that. Yeah, I agree. And I'm excited to give it a go. (laughs) Yeah. 
So to conclude, I love this quote from um, NPR host Ira Glass. Great stories happen to those who can tell them. I love that so much. What would be your like key number one main takeaway you'd give to folks or even like yourself? Like, do you have one thing that you're going to be like, okay, I need to go do this? I, when she talked about story, like collecting, it was this idea of like, once you start, basically never stop. And she talked about how like she has some in notebooks and she has, like she didn't have a proper system, but she just, sometimes she'll email herself if she gets an idea and she sends it to herself. Sometimes she's like, I just do a story on Instagram and then I'll make sure I save that afterwards so I can keep it. And I just like that idea of, if you put on this idea of being like, I'm going to start telling more stories now, it doesn't have to always be big, massive ones, but just seeing how you can start to add them in everywhere and like seeing how that makes a difference, basically. So rather than thinking like, I'm going to change my whole sales page or my product page, something that's like really key to your business is like start in other places and then like let it trickle through and it like hopefully will become more and more natural over time. Yeah. Okay. Mine is the new norm, the normal explosion, new normal, because having read this, I don't know how long it's been probably close to a year at this point since I first read this book. Um, maybe a little less than that, but that's what I think about still all the time is like mm. normal explosion, new normal from the smallest, most mundane everyday stories to the biggest, like that's how to kind of frame it. So I'll tell my chickpea story in the intro to this episode because it's right at 10 a.m. And that means it's late for Sherelle. And I don't know if you have something after this. So I'll tell it in the intro <laughs> because I know everyone's so interested now. But uh, or maybe I'll tell it in the conclu- conclusion. Tell it, tell it. I want to hear. I want to hear. <laughs> oh, OK, OK, OK. OK, well, I'm going to have to think through the exact structure if I were to be putting this in writing. But essentially, the other night I was roasting chickpeas and I was doing this recipe and the recipe said, open the cans of chickpeas, drain the water out, put them like dry them with a towel. And then for a few minutes, pick off as many of the um, skins of the chickpeas as you can. And I don't know anyone who's like done this before, but like chickpeas have these just little, like almost like a snake skin shell around them that you can peel off. Mm. Anyway. So this is, I'm, I'm assuming that the reason that the recipe wants me to do this is because it's going to make the, the chickpeas crunchier when you roast them. So I go through and like, again, the recipe said, spend a few minutes doing as many of these as you can. So I'm, I've got two cans of chickpeas. I'm going through one by one, pulling the skins off. And before I know it, it's like 25 or 30 minutes later. And I'm still one by one pulling the skins off these chickpeas. And I was like, I just had this moment of, is this how I want to be spending my, my, my time, my <laughs> life? Like, is this actually my priority? Because I have so, you know, I have a new baby. I have so much work to do. I have, like, is my top priority right now in life that I'm spending 30 minutes peeling skins off chickpeas to possibly make my chickpeas a little bit more crunchy? And the answer was no. <laughs> and so I stopped, like, you know, two thirds through. I threw in the rest of them, even though they still had the skins on. Like, that's, this sounds stupid, but it was very uncomfortable for me because I'm such a perfectionist and completionist. And like, I like to really do everything right especially recipes, but I like just stopped halfway through. I like put it all in together, roasted it. They were delicious. Wouldn't have noticed either way, but it was this moment of like, okay, I only have 
so many half an hours every day. And it's just important to get really clear on like, what is your priority? What matters to you? And actually spend your time doing that. And for me, it's not, it's not so important that I have roasted chickpeas that I spend a good amount of my day doing that. So I didn't. That's my chickpea story. I applaud you for, even though you're a perfectionist, knowing it wasn't worth the time and deciding, no, I'll put that third in, even though they're not perfect. Well done. Yeah. Thank you. Stories are everywhere. It's not very exciting, but like, it's still worth telling. And I like, we'll do it as an experiment before this episode goes out. I will have created a piece of content about this and we'll see how it does. Um, so go look for my Instagram posts, Lauren Tilden. All right, Sherelle, thank you as always. What book are we doing next month? We are going to be reading Fascinate. And then the subtitle is How to Make Your Brand Impossible to Resist by Sally Hogshead. And I am so excited for this book because it's a brand book. And we haven't done, have we done anything Mm -hmm. on branding so far? Not explicitly. We've done Mm -hmm. marketing, but. Yeah. Yay. Yeah, this book I first heard about years, like a few years ago now, and it's been on my radar, but I have not read it. So obviously I will have by next week, but I love a good recommendation where either one of us, Sherelle or I have already read it. So it's, it's, um, it's been recommended at least. And we, we know at least one of us is going to like it. So hopefully a lot of you will too. Yeah, it was on my reading list for a very, very long time before I actually finally read it. And I'm very excited to make Lauren read it. So this is the reverse of this week. So this time it was all, <laughs> you'd read it and you want me to read it. And I, I'm going to let you make you read it and then see what you think. Awesome. Yay. Well, Sherelle, very excited. Thank you as always. Thank you for spending the time reading and preparing and then coming and chatting with me. This is like one of my favorite things we get to do on the podcast. So, so Yay. grateful. So those are our thoughts about stories that stick. Did you feel any story sparks in your brain? Are you inspired to put your story out there? DM us on Instagram and let us know your thoughts. We would love to chat. I'm at Lauren Tilden and Sherelle is at Sherelle Griffith. Now, I'm so excited to dig into our book for next month. Next month, we're talking about Fascinate, How to Make Your Brand Impossible to Resist by Sally Hogshead. You can find details from this podcast episode on the show notes page at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 201. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd be so grateful to have your support. Here are a couple of ways that you can give back to Making Good. First, I'd be honored if you'd leave a rating and review in your favorite podcast player. And don't forget to subscribe and follow. And second, if you have a friend that you think would enjoy the podcast, send them the link. This episode is at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 201. Thank you for being here and for focusing on making a difference with your small business. Talk to you next time.